Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. How did two nice Jewish girls end up in the cannabis industry? I'm Joyce Gerber, and on today's Cannamom, we'll be talking about transformations and expectations with my friend, fellow attorney, and cannabis businesswoman, Catherine Rossmore, next on the Pro Cannabis Media Group. This is Joyce Gerber, and this is another edition of The Cannamom Show on the Pro Cannabis Media Group and ProCannabisMedia.com. I want to welcome my friend, Catherine Rossmore, and we met at a Women Returning to Work support group, right? Right, Joyce. Which I then got kicked out of. <laughs> Truth, right? Well, sort of, yes. <laughs> I would agree with that. So we're two women who have been lawyers, and we're moms, and this is a new industry, and we decided it was something we were interested in um, examining and figuring out a way where we could find a place, right? That's right. Uh, it's when all else fails, I guess we just go to starting our own thing in this country, and we have a big industry ripening in this state, so we're, we're getting ready and we're in it. Right. So we're talking about transformations and expectations today. So how you came from being a lawyer to cannabis businesswoman and really how your story from being a patient to being an advocate. And I want to flip back and come back and talk a little bit about expectations. Like, how does it feel to be, we're middle-aged women, we dress like this, we don't have tattoos, but we go and advocate all the time for this substance for this plant and what are the expectations that people bring when we come up front and talk about it so let's talk a little bit about your story yeah that's true I mean you you really have to kind of come out of the closet right the green closet I'm calling it now we're coming out of the green closet yes the green closet I like that we um yeah so as an attorney um you know I'd like to think I have some credibility in my hometown 
when I do stand up to advocate, for example, at a town meeting for per, more permissive marijuana yeah, zoning. So, yeah, we talk about this a little bit. So you, you know, yeah. you're, you're a respected member of your community. You're I an am. attorney. Well, <laughs> I was until you I started respected. advocating. Now I'm the marijuana girl. <laughs> so what happened? So you go to these meetings, and they're small town meetings. Yep, and, and they, were, they were trying to pass zoning. And, um, and let's just mention your business. Let's talk about it. Yep. So um, luckily, kind of unrelated to our business, I have a um, business with my son that we're the first in the state um, to get a provisional license to be a third-party cannabis transporter in the state, and it's a business-to-business venture. So eventually what we are aiming to do is basically to be a statewide distributor of cannabis and to purchase products and have them available to retail dispensaries and how did, through and, and, through and working with your son was this a natural progress was this something um, that you expected would happen it it's yeah. it really that's an interesting yeah. question i had um Again, I was a practicing attorney for about 20 years, Mm -hmm. and like you, Joyce, (laughs) I got into divorce law because I was a mom Not a good... We can can do a whole show on divorce attorneys. Right, so needless to say, um, in 2008, when um, I happened to have been downsized from the small firm I was working at... um, I decided I was going to do something else, and because it was a recession, I had a difficult right. time. A similar, and, a similar trajectory as me. Yeah, right. so we both ended up in this I relaunch, and meanwhile, I was a health coach and a yoga teacher, and mm-hmm. none of those are lucrative <laughs> jobs. <laughs> and so I, uh, simultaneously, pretty right. much with yeah. when I met you, and, right. uh, and we were doing the I right. relaunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, I also worked for a couple of years in a medical marijuana dispensary. Was that, and just, was that something you had expected? Or was no, that something that no, kind of fell into it? Yeah, okay. I felt like, why am I doing this at first? <laughs> like, I believed in, and I learned a lot, and I believed Well, you saw in, from the bottom up, literally. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a customer service agent. Right. I also did bud trimming. Right. <laughs> I, um, so, I, you know, I did feel a little like, oh, what am I doing? But it, fast forward now, in mm-hmm. being in this cannabis business, mm-hmm. I I find even at the initial outset, I just have so much more knowledge of what actually goes into running it, right. the regulatory and the compliance. You're only, you're, so you're also a, a patient. So yes. So. Yes. So that's a whole nother yeah, yeah. story that's interesting. I had been a user of cannabis when I was young. Yes. And then um, I did join a profession that said no, it's not okay. Right. So I really, really didn't um, use it for about twenty years, mm-hmm. and I um, developed a severe a diagnosis of MS. Mm-hmm. I was having these strange bouts of vertigo and mm-hmm. some other odd symptoms, and ultimately, um, when I did go the cannabis route, and how would I would that way for your ex husband? How did you? Um, even, how would you even like figure out this was something that could help your Um, Well, yes, my ex-husband was a physician Mm -hmm. and... He, you know, he said, you you need to be, you know, smoking marijuana because, <laughs> <laughs> right. <You're not. laughs> contrary to what uh, the popular opinion actually yeah. about cannabis, that it's not only the cannabidiol, right. the CBD, mm-hmm. that some conditions, um, the THC or a ratio of THC and CBD, mm-hmm. specifically with MS, uh, I was told that 
having a high THC content right. was preventing me from deteriorating. And I am incredibly healthy for somebody who's lived with MS. So for is this something years. so uh, is something your traditional doctor uh, sanctioned? Was this something you had to go behind the back? Um, you, yeah, yeah the traditional doctors really are not schooled in this. They mm-hmm. have no knowledge of it. And they, was there any discussion about how that would interact with other MS medications or MS medications you were taking or not taking? Or uh, Well, at the point that I actually got medical cannabis, mm-hmm. I had stopped taking the prescribed oh, you had? Okay. medication. I do I do take another thing that's sort of unsanctioned. Yeah. It's, it's low-dose naltrexone. Okay. It's a uh, non-FDA approved right. for MS, but they believe it has a healing effect on mm-hmm. the myelin sheath, right. which is the same um, really mechanism that that the THC okay. CBD okay. does. So, right. so but so, you, so you're in this situation because I yeah. think it's a funny. You said you something about your son. So when you yeah. started using this for your MS, and your son was younger, obviously. right? So this was in my. I have three sons, okay. and um, my middle child at some point when he was in a vulnerable age in mm-hmm. like middle school, starting right. high school, had discovered that I had marijuana. Mm-hmm. You know, probably like you know, going through my, rifling Fine. through my drawers. <laughs> as, chil- and, as children do. And, um, <laughs> you know, I told him it was medical, and he was aware that it wasn't medical and this illegal yes. in the state at yes. the time. So it, it was really, um, I was confronted with the very reasons that we do stay in the closet right. at the, the time. The especially. green closet. That's my new term. <laughs> Someone said that to me today. I like Yeah, it. the green closet. closet. So yeah, luckily yeah. I had the fallback that mm-hmm. I could, he knew that my ex-husband is um, a doctor. So I said. I'm supporting you. That I got yeah, it yeah, from yeah. him right. and, you know, it was helping me. And yeah. so, you know, fast forward Good. now where they're all adults. We laugh, we laugh okay. about it. We medicate together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so, 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 so you had the medical issues. You're working on your own body, and then you figured out that this is something could be a business and um, advocacy. Cause yeah, you're well, a little bit like what's so like to advocate in your small town, right? Yeah. And, and the, the the business aspect came up. Um, my son has a, a logistics transportation company on that, the yeah. Cape. Mm-hmm. You know, just running cabs and stuff, and. So that, um, you know, he was looking at this license as an opportunity to get into the business. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to feel a little bit frustrated with trying to get a well-paying job at Um, being a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Being a trained attorney (laughs) somewhere above 45. And And so we... And a woman with kids. um, Right, and with kids. And so... (laughs) It was like, oh, sure, I'll do this with you. Why not? And then it really, when it really became intriguing and seemed real to me, actually, you were there, too, was the very first um, trade show at the Heinz Center. And our specific business is not sexy. We're not selling marijuana. We're not growing it. I keep saying we want to make cannabis boring. Yeah. It's it's just normalizing. Right. It's just business to business. It's like the L Knife and Sons, if Mm -hmm. you're familiar with liquor distributors. And so at this trade show, we had quite a bit of positive feedback of people realizing they needed us. Exactly. That we were a missing link. Right. And I was like, I left home feeling like, wow, maybe I do have like a real thing going here and we're going to make this happen. Yes. It's a, you know, yes, so now I'm an official Canna entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And I would see you at those 
fun. Yeah, we would see yeah, each other at these networking yeah, events. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it may be a couple yeah. of years before we start actually yeah, yeah. making money, yeah. but we have to be patient. But it's been interesting to see the this world has been very interesting to me. Like, you know, we come, we have very similar backgrounds. We're kind of like, you're my doppelganger. Right, <laughs> right, I know. We sort of gone along the same trajectory, and now we're um, relaunching women in a brand new industry. And I keep hoping that it'll be more women. Right. Um, invested industry, women-led industry. Um, and are you seeing this in your trails out there? Well, I think like any other industry, mm-hmm. because of the traditional pathway mm-hmm. like in politics if right. you know if there aren't a lot of women farmers for example right. cultivators leaders showing other leaders right mm. mm-hmm. so you are seeing a lot more women that are working in dispensaries and Have working you seen that again? Mm-hmm. yes but again in the higher echelons the especially the the ca- the venture capital like right. access to capital mm-hmm. is still very difficult for women but we, yeah. you you and I both noticed yes. that one of the pioneers in banking well um, was a woman from Colorado a woman uh, right with a credit union and also in Massachusetts right uh, the, Gardner Mass uh, yeah. Tina whose name yeah, I can't remember the, I can't either but mm-hmm. the one credit union right. in the state that's right. uh, at least put out feelers because women, women are brave yes she, it's also a women <laughs> um, uh, president of this bank yeah. who's um, trying to make it happen so I do think that there's a place for women in this industry and mm-hmm. it will be more egalitarian I, I have to admit though yeah. choice yeah. That it's still like you know I'm in the room instead of being in the room with a lot of older white guys most of them are my yeah. son's age that's true so you're in this yeah so you're with your son and that's and a there's a few people of color, yes, what? but not like anything else. In well, this I think state. it's. Uh, but again, it's the uh, it's it's um, access to capital, exactly. Especially in an industry where you don't have good banking. Although I've been so I've been in some meetings with people or organizations, group talks with them. Um, you know, women of color, minority women, and I do talk a little bit about the banking. But I always hear this. This is the thing that I think is interesting. If you've been a group that's been excluded by traditional banking, anyways, even if cannabis banking opens up. There's no guarantee that those people are still are going to have access to the banking capital because they've never had it before, which right. is really not an argument I, I hear a lot in the white man world. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about you need access to capital and how do you start up businesses, but you know how do you well, how do you how do you set up a business? How do you set up the banking industry so it's it 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 doesn't um, continue the the problems that we had right. prior perpetuate, perpetuate the, the, the problem exactly yeah well it, you know it's really kind of similar in a way yeah. weirdly to because you're, you're looking for capital now too everyone's yes, looking for capital yeah yeah and it is difficult especially if you don't want to give up you know control right um but yeah just having those avenues of um access you know for for people that have been disproportionately impacted and the, the you know the minority community mm-hmm. really difficult but women in general i think we also have as you and i have discussed mm-hmm. in the other mm-hmm. context men typically don't have as like a first step to even getting out the door to a job mm-hmm have to worry about their children and child care because mm-hmm. they have a partner that might help yeah. with that. Right. Where, like, for moms, that's the first thing is, how is this going to affect my children mm-hmm. and my family? And I do think um, even in the the thing that, the example of the town meeting that mm-hmm. we started right. discussing, 
they there was a young mom from my neighborhood at the mm-hmm. town meeting that was on the marijuana zoning. Okay. And I said hello to her and she said, you know, I am voting against this because I'm so scared for, for my, my children, kids. Right. And I was like, well, you know, it's it's legal now and it's it's not like they market things for children. You know, I said all the things to that you would say to any mom to mm-hmm. try to put them at ease, but right. it felt very awkward for me being a mom myself and seeing another mother from the same neighborhood and being like, well, I'm a cannabis advocate yeah. now. Well, you using, know? it's like using that, but it's any, so I will say, so my kids are 20 and 17, so they're a little bit younger than yours, and I keep meeting women with much, much younger children who are, you know, medical users yeah. or they're in the industry and how they con- how they talk about this is very very different than how we first of all they know about it in a different way and they talk about it in a different way with their kids and they talk about it as it's a grown up medication right it, it's, it's for adults it's for just adults like alcohol. just like and they don't right. care like if it's not interesting if you're not hiding it if right. no shame you know I, I there was well, actually there was a one parent I heard on um it was on another podcast but he was talking about how there's no shame like when your kids walk into a room and you're covertly trying to right. smoke something or stamp something out or get the air clear and you know then the kid's curious but yeah. if you just look at them and you're doing whatever boring thing you're doing they walk right. away right exactly yeah. the allure is gone once the your parents are doing it exactly probably. who knows what they'll you know they move own. on to <laughs> yeah. but it, it is a very it's a it's an interesting shift and even my mom's generation so my mom is 84 and we were at a shiva yesterday and uh people haven't seen me for a while so they ask what i'm doing yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, the first thing I say, I work for pro cannabis media. Yeah. And there's always a pause. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And yeah. my mother's usually sitting there, so she's smiling nicely. Right, right. She really is. <laughs> I, yeah. She really does think I'm in a drug cartel. And, <laughs> but I don't think there's any way to shift this conversation unless we're honest. Right. And that's been what my thing, even though it's hard, I... You know, there are definitely certain people that I still mm-hmm. would prefer, I think, are unaware that I use. And, mm-hmm. I, and I feel like I'm almost being um, dishonest to my own values. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Because I'm saying we, sh- we need to come out of the closet on this to mm-hmm. destigmatize it. Right. But at the same time... You know certain people are going to put you in a, yes. a category yeah. and that you can't get out of, so you just don't want them to find out. Right. So, so, so let's go back to that. So the town meetings. So we always, yeah. we talked about this, too. Like, yeah. So what happens at these town meetings? Like, Oh, yeah. Somebody... So they all get up. Yeah. So the people that aren't against it flat right. out, that think it's a gateway drug and all this stuff, well, um, anyone that's in favor of it stands yeah. up, and the first thing right. they say is the disclaimer. Yeah. Like I would either, never use it. I don't use it or I'm not a user, but, you know, or I used it when I was a kid and now I don't, but, and then they give their positive spiel and I won't do that. I just say, here are the reasons why we should be more receptive to this Mm -hmm. business. It's going to bring in, it's a financial argument. Right. I don't need to do the disclaimer. No, I think the disclaimers have to go. Yeah. And and, and, and we talk about this and what it is. Why it works with our body? Why we have an we have an endocannabinoid system? Right. How it is an individual experience? You know, if you have a cannabinoid deficit, it's a very different experience than if you are not. Right. And my yeah, it's yes. It has to be so personal. This has right. to be a very personal it's discussion, very, and opposed yeah. to it's just going to impair you in a way that will make you unfunctional. It's just a it's a ridiculous yes. discussion. 
It, it is. It's just right. like it has to end. That's yeah, kind of yeah, that is true. The I one thing that I really learned in working in yeah. in the dispensary, we used to use the term bio individual. That, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's very because it goes with your bio biology does, and your right. in the, of the individual. Mm-hmm. I've heard people and, talk about individualized medications, like in the future. Using uh, this. Yeah, it's crazy. Like there, right. we had a, a woman in our dispensary, a a, a, a customer. Uh, support agent who probably weighed about 80 pounds who could eat 200 milligrams of a THC edible without getting much feeling it was just her metabolism her body she also and I think this could have been related was like um, ADD you know um, one of those people where things might have been working opposite in her body where you'd have a 300 pound man who would come in and say, I ate 10 milligrams and I was stoned for two days and I couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So it's really the, 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 the thing that we tell people with edibles specifically, right. that start yeah. slow, start low. low. It's because you don't know if you're going to be that really, really low and you can't base it. Your tolerance level or, on weight or your so it's, it's smoking a, it's, it's experience. It's a whole different um, pharmaceutical. Right. Figure, it's, it's like doctors. How are they supposed to figure this out? Yeah. They aren't, they aren't trained in it. Right. They don't really necessarily know what the endocannabinoid system is. Right. Uh, there's so many There's so many things that need to be studied about this, especially with traditional medicine. Yeah. There's such a big need Huge. out there. Huge. Yeah. So, so, and you so think, as a mom, do you talk to, like, this is what I actually talk to my nieces and nephews yeah. and kids. I'm like, you should go into cannabis. Like, my nephew who wants to go into law. Yeah. Cannabis law. Cannabis yeah. medicine. This is yeah. such a, a wide open industry. And when yeah. I hear, like, young people call me now because they have ideas or they want, they meet me at events. And I do always say, what does your mom think? Yeah. <laughs> Which That's they, funny. They think it's funny a, coming from me. It's a mom thing, right? Well, from a from a can of mom perspective, one thing I will say, and we, my son Raphael and I have been to um, some investor conferences okay, okay, yeah. in the city. Well, you were at that yeah, one too, one. and they said you don't even have to be making the pizza they sell in the dispensary, make the cheese that goes on the pizza. Right. And I think people should start thinking of. All the ancillary, ancillary businesses, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah ancillary, <laughs> and especially um, as, not as, to as give a mo- this away. Our business, our business mom advice for today. Yeah, so this, like, like the um, pro cannabis media network, mm-hmm. the best ones to get into are the ones that don't require you to get a license mm-hmm. from CCC. Right. No offense yeah. to the commission. Or because it's there's so much red tape. And so you've gone through this. So what are some of the things that you were surprised at in having to get this license and going through your town and your son already having a business that existed? Were the things um, that surprised well, you? Well, that was in a different town. The town, um, the town process. They were very. We our our um, warehouses in Plymouth. They were very receptive to us because. Okay. We're located right across from the police station. Okay. Very secure area. And we're not selling to consumers. Right. I mean, that's the fear. Right. You know, people worry once it's in their town and getting spread into their population. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't have to but, but worry it's, about that. It's already that. in your population, people. It's already well, there. Right. <laughs> um, well, what, what surprised me, having worked in medical. Right. 
And so I assumed, I think we all assumed when recreational rolled out that mm-hmm. it would be less regulated than the medical cannabis. Okay. And it's exactly the opposite. It is much it more. is as regulated and more. Mm-hmm. So, for example, our business right. requires three employees for every trip to a testing lab. Every time you put a marijuana product in a car to go somewhere. Three employees. Three employees. You have to have two in the van at all times and one at the home base watching on videotape. And the weighing and measuring has to occur on videotape both at the home base and at the destination location. And if you have any unexpected glitch along the way, you're required to return to the home base. You're not allowed to stop any... Like, the regulations, they really do treat it like it's sarin gas. People could die if something Wow. So are these the same kind of regulations they have for money transport or opiate Um, transport or any other kind of transport of... (laughs) You're not allowed to, to transport marijuana products with any other products, so we can't carry cash, uh... We're, we're not set up to do cash. Okay. Um, we also, you can't have a gun, which upsets some people and it makes other people happy. Right. So that could be a whole nother discussion. Um, I, do, arm, we, do arm cars have? Guns? No. Well, the Brinks, the, the money Brinks transporters have, are armed. They are armed, right. Exactly. Um, there's a company that's doing cash transport and they're, yeah. they're armed. Right. We are happy personally. Not that to have to carry a firearm. Right. Yeah. We, that we don't have to get into that and we can't. It's not what, even So the irony of this is that it would be actually easier to get a gun and transport it around with you than to transport an ounce of cannabis. Is that yes. true? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it, yeah, no, it's easier to do almost anything than yeah. transport cannabis around the state. The, the, uh, the 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 difficulty that they built in actually makes it um, a, a more lucrative business for us because it's so hard. Right. You know, it's like not anyone can just walk in and decide this is what they want to do. Although I have heard uh, in the social equity world, this is one of the businesses that they're selling people this is something to get into. But you're saying it's actually pretty tricky. Well, the social equity they're put they're they've reserved the business to consumer. Oh, that one. Okay, so that's separate. Um, that's separate. So we do feel again that we might have a role in that down the line mm-hmm. because. They might need drivers and vans that mm-hmm. our agents could work with. Right. Some okay. Of them. But that that would be up to the commission. Uh, it's a little unclear. So would your so would your transport business are they connected to specific dispensaries or specific um, growers or no, not they? in uh, our model. Yeah. We in the medical world that was all vertically integrated, right. meaning right. they have the grow, sale to the, see, the production, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. and the, the the sales the store. Right. They already do their own transport because it okay. was built into the co- medical regulations. Okay, right, of course. Okay. So with the new regulations, the difference is they can only transport their own product. Okay. What we have is we can transport ten di- different people's products. So you, you know, could. So, me- so I say this. So the unlimited. the medical dispensary wants to and once they get their rec licenses and they want to have more product, you would bring the product. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Right. right. Exactly. But not across state lines. Right. You can't cross straight state lines. And we do believe uh, one of the discussions that's come up a lot is about 
you know, other states like Maine mm-hmm. particularly, because Maine is less restrictive. They allow outdoor farmers yeah, okay. to grow marijuana and, and sell it in their dispensaries. Um, people have talked about like trying to mm-hmm. move into Maine, but I'm I I'm not you know don't have a crystal ball, but I doubt that mm-hmm. Massachusetts is going to allow any outdoor. deviation from our regulations in right. the near future. Well, there's uh, they're having some more hearings out in Worcester soon, so yes, again. there's so. so have you been have to those? You, have you gone to the cannabis commission to um, advocate? Or I to have. Speak? Oh, you have. Um, so when um, it's kind of very legalese, you'll yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. this. Mm-hmm. When I was reading the co-located regs, so there were three sets of regs: one okay. for adult use, right? One for medical right. and co-located. Okay. Um, co-located. Okay. Yeah. The, the the regulations referred to numbers and sections that didn't exist anywhere in the regs. Okay. So I when I I went to the commission to say like we're really what does confused. this mean right? Um, and they were you know furiously taking notes and yeah mm-hmm. I don't think um, transportation yeah. was something <clears throat> that they mm-hmm. spend a lot of time looking at yeah. if you know what I mean because it's not it's just so do you feel like people like you are having an actual influence in how the <clears throat> regs are being developed? people who are going before the commission and talking? I think that um, there's a huge advocacy, um, small but but um, vocal I've met many of, them. of yeah. medical right. marijuana that have had a huge influence yeah. on the regs. Right. And I think it's part of the reason why, um, you know, I don't know, but I think it's part of the reason why RMDs, um, have a hundred percent monopoly on all of the product in this state right now because they were were you know the first to license right that's true right, and they're still getting okay. priority so take take a sip yeah we've had sort of we had the we covered the Cambridge story <clears throat> when they're having some issues with um, <clears throat> who they're gonna which we've disagreed on which we could actually talk about so. right right the Cambridge story <laughs> the is Cambridge story is interesting so Cambridge wanted to limit based on for social <clears throat> equity reasons they wanted to not give the current um, medical recreational dispensaries, the first rec right. licenses, which caused a crazy uproar in Cambridge because... It's insane to give the, the first recreational license But the problem is that you... The social equity people who were applying for the recs actually weren't in favor of this. They were fine the way it was written. And the rec... And, oh. the, and the medical people... So this is presented by two city councilors. And so they brought their patient advocates because the issue is having access to the medical and the people who came in, I mean, for better or worse, whatever you think of the medical, they are seed to sale. So they are the big guys right now right. and they have access to capital and they could open up their rec tomorrow. Like if they gave right, them so the license. So right now Cambridge has no rec because they can't figure out yeah. who to give the licenses right. to. So it's not really serving anyone. But who wants, who wants, so it's not the medical people that are advocating because the medical no, this people. is literally this is just I, and as a Cambridge resident and a person involved with right. Cambridge politics, I understand the crazy. Um, but you know, we in Cambridge think that we can solve some bigger problems than right. our little town can solve. Well, Somerville, uh-huh. Somerville effectively said we're not giving any rec licenses to anyone that is in a minority or economic empowerment, and they that they, that I. But did they say that? Know, did, they, did they say that when they first started? No, it, I mean when they saw what was happening, yeah. I, I don't understand why yeah, Cambridge can't do the same thing. They, they, the the medical people already have their dispensary, but their argument is, and they and they have the power right now, and they're already building out their rec centers. Is that they're already here, they the medical people. So I think the concern, so first of all, I think the counselors were concerned that if the medical dispensaries would leave, 
so they can go to another town. And the medical dispensary just towns. stood up and they said, no, we're not leaving. This is our community. We're serving this community. And these are the people that we're helping. And we've been here for two years. Right. And we're happy to be well, here. Well, they can stay as medical. Yeah. But if you're going to deny, but part of the business model, obviously, was built on the idea that they were going to be a wreck, too. So everything they said about doing it for all the right reasons yeah. to help so patients I think, I think, wasn't uh, yeah. true. They just well, want to make money. I think they're doing both. It's a business. I mean, that's, right. that's my take on it. Yeah. They're, they're a business. And this is their business model. And Cambridge can't ch- change the rules. Right before, right. Well, that that, you know, that was, that, and I think lawyer, that was, right. Yeah. The ex post so, facto yeah. so change could be, you know, and, and whether or not they were like violating a law. You know, the city councilor didn't think they were, but the council, you know, the attorneys that they brought in outside who had read the regs, you know, read them differently, which just sets you up for a lawsuit, as we all know, and no one wants to go through that because that just delays opening it longer. And they were trying to come up with a solution. You know, I yeah. think, I'll, I think, if, I mean, this is true for all the like local municipal governments, is they don't necessarily know anything about this or they don't know enough about what cannabis really is and they're trying to make rules but politicians follow their followers the, none of, yeah. the, I, my, mm-hmm. I, I've told you yeah. this I do think that yeah. you know what if, if these businesses fail Joyce we can be consultants to towns oh absolutely they absolutely need guidance and they don't understand and it, it's not that once you're familiar with it it's not that hard no. but I'm realizing from one of my jobs in my business is I read and um, create like a spreadsheet of right. every single business that's applying for a host community. Oh, so you keep track. Are you, are you doing that? Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I have a spreadsheet, and you know, right, obviously, that's absolutely out there. Someone could use that. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. don't. I don't have them all. Um, I'm sure, but when if I, anybody wants to reach you, yeah, <laughs> I, but I will well, like just in reading the yeah. articles from all these local papers, mm-hmm. you realize, wow, these selectmen think they're getting a good deal because they're getting a 3% of the sales. They don't realize that that is the bare minimum that they have to give. Like just something as basic as that. Yeah. Well, but, but, the, but the, <clears throat> the flip side on that is that the towns and municipal, those agreements that are asking for more, there's a question of whether those are allowed, mm. and the cannabis commission obviously isn't reviewing them. Right. I think it's, uh, and I've been no, to their review. They, they're well, they've they're, done that. Yeah, they're a little hands off. Yeah, yes. they're very hands off. But they, you know, the the idea is that you know, local rule. And I've been to some um, discussions with different municipal leaders, and it's kind of shocking how different every yes. single little town in Massachusetts is handling this. Right. And I do think that the the I mean, as as a Somebody who's navigating, um, and I think I'm in a unique position in this mm-hmm. business because yeah. we are sort of middlemen, right, between right. cultivators and producers, exactly, yep. and between producers and testing labs, right, and and retailers. Right. So you know, and I'm talking with tons of people in all different stages of licensure, mm-hmm. and having come from medical, so I sound like I'm down on medical. I yeah. believe in medical, right. but I also think that it, it, this rollout, this total monopoly on the product, is a problem in this. State oh yeah, I think. That, the, oh yeah, I think the rollout of medical and, and sort of set us up for yes, a bad situation. Set us up Set us up with the idea that you could only do, you know, if, if that you have to have you millions. came in big, you had to come in big, and if you right. if you came in big, then you already have the power, right? So that was a little tricky. Yeah, like everybody was worried about the Walmart of weed and this and that. We mm-hmm. guess what? Like we it's it. the Canadian, <laughs> uh, it's it's the Canadian dollar. Uh, they are going to own us. Basically, they already own half the companies in the state now. Today. Oh, the can- Canadian companies. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, acreage bought. 
you know, you know, a bunch of I, I don't know the names. I know, I know now, the deals. There's Acreage like and Tilt. Jimmy, Jimmy would know. Jimmy knows yeah, all the like. Yeah. <laughs> our dispensary got purchased by Sea Hunters, yeah. you know, right before I left, and then they got purchased again. I think. But um, point being, the two things that I think the state did wrong, mm-hmm. I mean, or might have done differently, right. one is this leaving this host rule just mm-hmm. completely the Wild West. Right. Like, well, each town is on their own, and yeah. people can ban it, they can right. welcome well, it. Well, no, you know, when, it, when it first passed, and there was a, uh, I guess it was like, must have been 2017, and there was so many moratoriums across the right. state because no one basically again scared. Political Fear. leaders are right. Political leaders are followers. They're voted yeah. in, and they. But the irony is that they're making these rules that everyone else has to follow. But they're followers of it's. It's kind of a weird circle of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're finally. So, so they're so the politicians right. are in some ways are finally catching up because they recognize that this is a good business model and that. They can help their communities, and it probably isn't going to kill everybody in there, right? They're right. kind of like coming to this point, right. yeah, yeah. And they're, and, you know, and they're doing their best based on limited knowledge and probably some misinformation as well. And whoever's advocating or coming in, the whoever the lobbyists are who are coming in. Oh, I think we're almost out of time, Catherine. Can you believe it? Yeah, we yeah. could just I know. go on and on. <laughs> we could talk for days and days and days. Yeah, between the canna world, the mom world, and uh, yeah, my the business and what so, we're doing. So, so, I, so again, so we've kind of like the transformation. You came from mm-hmm. this from the law world. Now you're a canna business person. Yeah, uh, you went from medical patient to advocate, who's not yep. afraid to stand up at your town hall and say i'm out of the green closet right, right. i believe in this product it works and you should embrace it and then just like you know kind of i don't know bouncing off expectations giving you know giving back people who you meet that mom who's afraid for her child you know we say this a lot because we're lawyers we were trained to fight it never occurred to us not to fight yeah and a lot of people are just sort of a little bit too afraid of the judgment yeah yeah and, and we're not Right, and to be able to explain why you're, what you're doing is justified exactly. is, is most people don't want to even have to justify their behavior, yeah. right? We're like, oh, I, I can justify it. I can do it. Yeah, because we failed at a lot of things, so we just keep going, right? That's, <laughs> That's right. our motto. All right. That's right. Well, that was great. Thanks for coming on my oh, show. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. All right, so for my guest, Catherine Rossmore, I'm Joyce Gerber, and this is the Cannabom Show on the Pro Cannabis Media Group and ProCannabisMedia.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your canna confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.